Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's good to be back on the podcast. It has been an intense month. In the last episode, I mentioned how we had just moved. That was like the beginning of August. And at the end of August, I started school again. And so it's been crazy intense. This is definitely the heaviest load that I've taken. I'm in the middle of a four-year Bachelor of Biblical Studies degree. And so I am taking 12 credits this semester, which is a pretty solid 36 hours of school, just between classes and homework. And then working on top of that, and then writing and blogging, everything else, um, trying to stay on top of those things. But having a family and wanting to be there for my family is also a high priority for me. So if you're a reader and a listener, you have probably noticed that the blog kind of has gotten shoved to the back burner in a sense. And that is partly intentional. Um, It's not what I would like to do. I'd love to be able to stay on top of it all better, but uh, because schooling is something I feel, both my wife and I feel called to that stage of life at this point and and because my family is my number one priority and in doing that I've, I've got to provide for them right so I'm, I do handyman work about 15 to 20 hours a week as well so the blog gets shifted to late nights early mornings whatever margins of time and obviously with the blog that includes the podcast as well although I am recording this at 4.07 Tuesday afternoon, so I have an afternoon to work on this. Enough about that. I'm just giving an excuse. I, I had hoped to be more consistent in releasing the episodes, and I think they will as we settle into our new home and into the new rhythm of the semester. But that's my excuse for why it's been like a month, then a couple weeks here, and Hopefully we'll get in more of a rhythm of at least bi-weekly. I have several guests I would love to bring on. I have enough stuff to talk about that would be enough for every week, but I don't know if I have the time to do that. So anyways, all that to say that now that we're in a couple, um, a couple episodes in, I would love to hear your feedback. We've looked primarily at issues of sexuality, uh, started with Trudy Metzger talking about sexual abuse within the church. And then last episode was with Merle Burkholder on men taking personal responsibility for their sexuality. And if you have any questions about anything that we discussed, um, if you have something you would like to have hear more flesh, excuse me, hear fleshed out even more, uh, shoot me an email. Excuse me, something about that turned Siri on. So, anyways. <laughs> If you would like something fleshed out even more, if you have a question or a response to something that I said or one of my guests said, shoot me an email at podcast at asherwhitmer.com. That is podcast at asherwhitmer.com. And I'd also love to hear your feedback. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, you can give a rating. You can either rate one to five stars and you can leave a review, I believe. So... I would love for both. And I'm not, I'm honestly not just looking for five star reviews. Um, Obviously, the good star reviews help get the message out further, but 
more specifically, I would like to hear your honest thoughts, your honest feedback. Are these are these like three star episodes? Are they one star? You should just write, forget podcasting, just go home, return the mic, get your money back. Um, let me know. And if there's things you've really enjoyed about it, um, maybe things that could be improved or, or topics you'd love to address, um, shoot me an email at podcast at asherwhitmer.com or leave a review on iTunes. You can leave stuff like that in a review. If you're leaving a review and if it is a good star or, or a negative star, like say why you left that. So what you really like it. Why do you really like it? You don't like it. Why don't you like it? Um, Cause that's all, that's really helpful. I, I listen to stuff like that because it helps me know, helps me process what I could improve or it even challenges like, am, am I looking at this the right way? If we're talking about a specific topic or whatever, I think you get the picture. Um, yeah. So I would love to hear, I always forget to say that. I think I mentioned it the very first episode and I don't think I've mentioned it since. So if you're listening on, on iTunes, uh, give feedback. It's been really cool to see the reach that this has gotten. I actually get more downloads typically per episode than I do per blog post. So I think in a month's time, my blog posts usually, like a, the typical blog post, will get to about a thousand views in 30 days. And then if it got shared around or if it was extra an extra big hit, it'll, it'll go over that. Um, but these episodes usually hit a thousand, uh, downloads within, within a week for sure. Obviously I think the Trudy Metzger interview did within a couple of days, but that's a pretty hot topic. Anyways, just to kind of give a, a heads up of where I plan to go. Um, sometime here, I want to bring my wife on the show and we'll just talk about life and things that she has to share she's she's a very wise lady so i can't wait to have her on we'll see when we do that i also have uh i'd like to bring on a couple friends and discuss uh racial issues and the conversation of racial diversity in the church and how we can bring any sense of reconciliation if need be or even just open the conversation up is there any reconciliation that needs to happen I think that's obvious, but um, in our Anabaptist circles, we, we might be a little uh, ignorant to some of those things, but I have a few friends on the line for that. I'd also love to delve into uh, just more relevant issues that we as Anabaptists, especially if you're kind of wrestling with your, your faith or your church or whatever, um, talk about that i have a couple people some some of the guests that i have in mind i have not contacted yet so i'm very hesitant to name them but uh i think you'll really enjoy them and and i hope to it, actually it's on my to-do list for tomorrow is to send emails to some of these people i hope you've maybe seen um dwight gingrich's blog series that he's doing on homosexuality was jesus okay with homosexuality i think my son just woke up from a nap i hear him over there crying so i'm gonna go see if if we oh it sounds like my wife just got him so <laughs> as i said you're gonna get all of me 
our house is kind of small so you hear a lot of different things our floor is laminate as well so it it, it might sound kind of hollow in here i don't know anyways my friend Dwight Gingrich has a blog series going. I think it's a five-part series looking at was Jesus okay with homosexuality? And this is a conversation that I also want to bring on the podcast. I've got a couple friends that I would like to to have on for that as well, particularly people who have faced same-sex attraction. And, um, and as well as maybe hopefully I can get Dwight Gingrich on here also. So... <laughs> I, th- I don't think that'll be too hard, but that's just kind of an eight-minute ramble here of where we're at and where we're headed, hopefully headed down the road. Um, I, I'm i excited for what's ahead, and we'll see if, if God allows the time and the resources to be able to uh, get these out for you guys. Uh, just by way of a heads up, I am... Currently, so most of you probably know that I partner with Patreon to support or provide income for writing. And I I personally am a little bit averse to asking, hey, support my work. I want to give something in return, something of value. And so with every level of Patreon, Patreon, if you're not familiar with, it's just a a platform that connects creators with their their fan base or their audience or whatever people who appreciate their work and you can support the creator for a dollar a month for five dollars a month you can actually choose whatever amount but for for myself i have given three tiers that if you're giving this much you get something in return as just a, a bonus a benefit it's not intended to be exclusive but just just a way of saying, hey, thank you for supporting. Thank you for becoming a member. Here's an extra bonus content. Um, and there's actually, to be honest with you, there's probably by now more content, more regular content for Patreon members than what is given free, um, especially during the semesters when I'm in school. But there's many different levels, uh, $5, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> there's three different levels for me with many different re- resources. $5, I provide a weekly video lesson. I call them kind of a weekly vitamin, five to 10 minutes and just delving into a specific topic or issue that is relevant to us or helps us understand God or this, the Bible at a little deeper level. Um, for $15, you can access articles blog articles that as well as the video so you get the five dollar thing and then articles that delve in further into certain issues and then for 25 dollars you get access to all of that and then a behind the scenes interview with a mentor or pastor bible scholar or just a friend of mine or whatever as well as twice a year i open up enrollment into an online course that i've been developing this year it's called the making sense of life journey and I currently have enrollment for that open. And so you can go on asherwhitmer.com and you can find a blog post, the most recent blog post I have that. I'll also link it in this episode to the Making Sense of Life Journey page, or you can just type in Asher Whitmer, the Making Sense of Life Journey in Google, and it'll 
bring up and it shows the page just kind of shows the scope like what is this course about and this is kind of the big resource probably the biggest resource that i have available and with the course you also get a free copy of my book live free or you can just go on amazon and get the book uh, but the course is 25 the 25 dollar level and it's just walking through the five or there's a six act play that we can kind of see revealed in the story of scripture um you've got god establishing a kingdom and he's a good guy that establishes a good kingdom and there's rebellion in the kingdom and the fall of humanity and creation and chaos enters the world and then god initiates redemption by choosing abraham and calling forth the peoples to be set apart and holy and raise up a nation who's going to bless all nations and then jesus comes and he accomplishes that redemption for us and he is the blessing to all nations and we find freedom and then you have the commission of the church that's the act five and that's where we are right now and then act six is when jesus comes back and completes the redemption we're taken to heaven to live with him eternally that's just kind of the brief rundown this is a five-month course that goes through all of that and we just make i call it the making sense of life journey i'm not sure if that's the best title because we're, we're walking through scripture and the, the very first act, we look at some apologetic questions like, how can I trust the Bible? How can I trust this is real? How do I know? And so then we enter assuming that we're, we're yeah, even if we're not 100% trusting scripture or whatever, we may have our doubts or whatever, we still can enter into this journey and see if this might help us make sense of the things we experience today. And, and basically the concept is that things are happening in our short lifespan that are the result of things that happened long before we showed up on the scene. And so how do we make sense of it all? And I believe by getting to know God's narrative, we can make better sense of life today and, and also have a better idea of what we're supposed to do or why we why things are the way they are why we experience pain why the church who's supposed to be the redeemed people of god don't act redeemed all the time and we just wrestle through some of those questions i i've um in this course i've provided a workbook to process your own story i've provided references to other resources some are books you can buy and look out on your own some are free resources like the bible project and so forth that help you understand the story of scripture better. I also have interviews with people like um, Val Yoder, Merle Burkholder, Drew Latin, and just unpacking each of these acts a little further. Enrollment for that is only open twice a year at this point, and that's basically because I want to be able to interact as much as I can. This is just the second time I've run this course. 45 people took it the first time. And now I'm opening it up again for the next uh, week or so here. Yeah, it's a little less than a week till I'm going to close it and we'll get started on the next one. But if you want to check that out, go to Asher Whitmer, The Making Sense of Life Journey. And again, if you just want to support the blog or the podcast, you don't care about the the course or anything, you can do that for a dollar a month, for 50 cents a month, for hundred dollars a month for whatever you jolly well feel like doing at patreon forward slash asher whitmer patreon.com forward slash asher whitmer or you can just go to asherwhitmer.com and go to my blog read the blog uh, and 
there's a link to becoming a patron member. Anyways, all of that jargon to get to. Today, I, instead of doing a typical podcast, I wanted to share with you another thing, project, podcast, I have had the privilege of being a part of. My brother, Christopher Whitmer, some of you may know him, has started a podcast with uh, two other friends. It's he and I, and then two other friends of ours, exploring the implications of a Jesus-centered theology. Sorry, I got that wrong. Exploring the political implications of a Jesus-centered theology. My brother has a, has a real heart for engaging political conversations from a theological position where where we are followers of Christ, right? And that, I don't know, it's kind of a complicated conversation or even thing to talk about because there's many people who claim to be Christians. In fact, we have this narrative about America being a Christian nation and so forth. And, but we're so divided politically. The, the nation and the world the American world, the Christian world, is so divided politically. And so this podcast was started out, I think the vision of it came, he was sitting in a class on just training about how to work with with refugees and the the, um, crisis in the Middle East and how, as Anabaptists, we have something to offer that most evangelical Christians don't because we're not going to come over with our guns. And so uh, that kind of the the cure to terrorism is, is Jesus ultimately, but then exemplifying his suffering by entering into these dangerous territories and laying down our lives so that these people can come to know and see and feel and experience Christ through our lives. We uh, are six episodes in so far just today the sixth one dropped the day that I'm recording this on. Um, this is going to come be released a couple days later, but the, we, we've looked at, so the first few episodes just kind of unpack, like what do we mean by the third way or should Christians be involved in politics and, you know, all those kind of juicy topics, I guess. And then we get into, we have a guest on that talks about guns and whether or not, Christians should use guns or whether we should have the Second Amendment or whatever. Then we talk about abortion as well. And we also talk about terrorism. So yeah, I'm going to just share the first episode with you. What is the third way? That's what we discuss on here. I'm just going to be, I borrowed, I got my brother to share the audio with me here. And so I'm I'm just going to be turning it over to the third way podcast if you want to know more about what the third way podcast is who's behind it uh and and listen to other episodes or even give feedback go to the third way podcast.com the third way podcast.com or you can look up on your itunes spotify wherever podcasts are just look up third way podcast and you should be able to find it there there are six episodes, but I'm going to play the first episode here today. And so I'm kind of cheating. I'm not doing an episode myself, but I wanted to share this with you all. It's a project I've been privileged to be a part of. I don't know how involved we, we've done one season. We've got a couple episodes to do yet, uh, which will include a question and response episode. So if you 
listening to it and you have any questions, any feedback you want to give, go ahead and email. I think Christopher says in the episode how you can get a hold of us. Um, yeah, and, and then we'll respond in the question and answer response time. So I would, I forget what I was going to say. Um, yeah, we'll listen to it. And, oh, we're, we're going to do, we've done one season and then we'll be doing another season. And I'm not sure how, if I'll be able to make every time, but it's pretty much Christopher and then a friend, Titus Kipfer, who are the constant hosts. And then I'm on there pretty much every time, Regan Schrock from, some of you may be familiar with him from Anabaptist Perspectives and some other podcasts and video things he's done. Um, we're kind of the core four, but... We'll see how the future seasons roll, if it's something I will be able to continually do. But anyways, I wanted to share this with you so far and get this out to you, plus feel like I've provided you with an episode sooner than a month later. And that's where we're at today. I'm going to let Third Way take over here. Thanks for listening. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother, I see my brother. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother, I see my Hey, welcome to the Third Way Podcast, where we explore the implications of a Jesus-centered theology. I'm your host, Christopher Whitmer, and on the Skype line, I have my co-host, the dude from Charlottesville who does mission work on the side, Titus Kipfer. Hey, everyone. Titus has an interest in apologetics and hosts the uh, Proselytize or Apostatize podcast. Did I say that right, Titus? That is correct. I always stumble over that a little bit <laughs> we also yeah. have author family man newly minted podcaster and my brother asher whitmer hey, hey asher lives here in la with his wife and three boys and is currently three two or three episodes into his own fresh podcast unfeigned christianity yes we just did two so far that's awesome and last but not least, affectionately known as guy who actually has a life, YouTuber and podcaster Reagan Schrock. Yes, um, I'm not sure if that title is entirely accurate, but I'll take it, I suppose. <laughs> It'd probably be easier to list the things Reagan does not have his fingers involved in, but he's most notably known for his podcast Anabaptist Perspectives and for blowing things up in Tennessee in his Tennessee yard and putting it on YouTube. Welcome to the podcast, Reagan. <laughs> Thank you. Like I said, this is the Third Way Podcast, and you may be having a lot of questions about what that means. We have a lot of questions ourselves, so we are here to discuss it, what exactly the Third Way is. Um, we're going to be talking about Jesus and how that applies, what it, what it means to have a Jesus-centered theology, and especially its implications when it comes to politics and everything that a polit politics affects down to um, whether or not Christians should participate in war or violence, or what does it mean to be non-resistant? What does it mean to love our enemies? Um, all those questions and, and related subjects we're going to be exploring here on the podcast. And um, 
we're not we're not claiming to have any sort of authority on the subject matter. We're here as a bunch of friends who like to discuss these things. We like to discuss Jesus, theology, um, and even politics. And so we just kind of wanted to to to, to yeah ho- facilitate some discussions and maybe help get people thinking along the way. Um, so often we get stuck in um, our polarized, whether it's politics or religion or theology or whatever it is, we get stuck in, in a kind of two polar opposites where it's either you're right or you're left. And uh, we just wanted to offer an example that in, in every situation, there's almost always a third way to think about it. And, and, and what, what Jesus offers usually doesn't line up with one polar end or the other. It's, it's usually some sort of third way um, which is probably completely different than what anybody else is offering. So we're here to talk about that. Um, if you have any questions, um, any uh, objections, feel free to contact us. Um, we'll give all that information um, at the end of the podcast. But hey, welcome to the podcast, guys. I'm really excited about this. What are you guys thinking about in terms of your excitement and your thoughts for the podcast? Yeah, I think this is this is a great idea for a podcast because if you see what at least our culture is currently fascinated by, it seems like more people right now will identify with their political beliefs than their religious beliefs. And so mm-hmm. whether that's a good thing or not, if that's what people are interested in talking about, I think it's important to bring the teachings of Jesus into that conversation and and see what what he has to say about it all. Yeah, I mean I'm excited to Yeah. Go for it. No, I I was just agreeing with him. I'm excited for it as well. I I think I mean I've grown up in an Anabaptist setting which leans towards pacifism, although my dad did vote and do uh was more involved in politics than what many conservative Anabaptists would typically have been. But especially living outside of the U.S. for a few years and seeing Christians who, like I just discovered that American Christians are very political, politically minded and their faith almost revolves around their politics or their freedom or their uh, position or posture as an American more than it does around Jesus being Lord of their life. And, and I was able to see that in some of my non-American uh, brothers and sisters. And that has shaped a lot of how I think about um, living out my Christian faith, even here in America, now that I'm back on U.S. soil. And so, yeah, I look forward to discussing these types of things. Uh, I think um, the, the thing that got me excited about the Third Way podcast and um, what got the whole thing rolling to begin with was I was attending a training with um, that Reagan was a part of and he was talking about terrorism and its cure and and, um, Reagan you've done some studying about this at length and you were given a talk about it and obviously Jesus is the cure for terrorism spoiler alert Um, but um, I don't I don't even remember exactly what you were saying but I I think you were talking about the the two extremes of um, on one side, kind of the stereotypically Republican right side is to go. The answer to terrorism is just to go and bomb them, you know, out of existence and to smother them violently. Or the other option is to 
just stay at home and be passive and do nothing. And you just mentioned, you know, that there's a third way. And, and obviously this was in, in the context of talking about Jesus and the gospel um, and how, um, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily that, that it has to, it has to be one of those options, but yeah, there's a third way. And, and I, and I just got to thinking about that and, and I got really excited about the, the idea that, um, the answer to violence, um, doesn't have to be do nothing. It doesn't have to be, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, um, either violence or we just sit at home and do nothing, but actually that we move towards our enemy with love, like Jesus moved towards his enemies and reconciled them to himself. So yeah, I I think that's, yeah, that, that was what kind of got the, got this whole thing rolling. Mm. Yeah. And I I think it's um, just commenting back on that training that was earlier this year. uh, One of the things we're trying to do with that, um, and and, I mean, there's a number of things, but we tend to think in extremes. Um, We say you're either one way or, or you're the other. And historically, Anabaptism has not been that. It's it's said, okay, here's your two options. Guess what? We're not going to choose either one. We're going to choose what the Bible says, which, <laughs> interestingly enough, during the Reformation, that was a very novel approach. That's not how people viewed religion at the time, where someone could just pick up the Bible and it says, well, hey, Jesus said, love your enemies. Okay, we're going to do that. Um, and there's something so refreshing about looking at your religion that way versus trying to fit it, try to, trying to pull it apart and repackage it just so and put it in your nice little box. Mm. And and that's, Jesus doesn't really fit well in any box. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we need to be okay with that. And we as humans don't don't like that because we like things to, to be where we can easily stick them on a shelf. But Jesus and his way, and especially what we're going to call the third way in this, is way, way more nuanced than that. Um, and as a result, it actually does have the correct answers because whenever you try to stuff it into a certain box and certain parameters the effectability of how much it actually works and actually does what it says it's going to do starts falling apart because you lose all the nuance of who jesus actually is um and that's what really inspired me when when i was doing that that um class on terrorism what's the nuance and what does jesus actually say instead of trying to package it in our left or right boxes that we use so much today dovetailing on that i think what reagan said is really good um and and just to clarify for our audience that this third way that we're talking about is not our own preconceived package that we've colluded about but rather we're going to force each other and our audience as a whole to come back to what christ said what christ taught and as as we address some of these issues of um violence and politics and so forth yeah it's certainly not just just something we're making up on the fly um it it has it has its its basis in scripture i hope um that we're always looking to scripture um with every everything that we do everything we believe um but it also is rooted in history in church history and um Mm. and the early church and whatnot um so it's yeah, it's, it's certainly not something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually Googled the third way, uh, and the first thing that popped up was sort of a center-left political organization 
Um, so I scrolled down a little more, came to the Wikipedia article on it, and this is what Wikipedia said. said, the third way is a position akin to centrism that tries to reconcile right-wing and left-wing politics by advocating a varying synthesis of some center-right and centrist economic and some center-left social policies. And apparently Bill Clinton and Tony Blair were early adherents of the Third Way in the 1900s. And I say that just to point out that uh, the the term the Third Way is already being used by political organizations to try to reconcile the political right and the political left. Um, But I also found a a Mennonite website that says, I think, more what we're getting to. It says that the third way reflects the fact that Mennonites and Anabaptists are somewhere between Catholic and Protestant on many theological issues, a third way. And I think this is what you were saying earlier, Reagan, which in, in the Anabaptist tradition, I'm assuming that that's how the term started is, you know, they would say, we're, we're neither Catholic nor Protestant. Mm-hmm. We're, we're a third option. And I think it's, it's, um, it's fitting to take that tradition and apply it to our, our current cultural landscape. Because I would say that right now, the political left and the political right divide the world a lot more than Protestant and Catholic. And I would say that's the case even in the church. You know, in the church, it's not as big a deal what denomination you're part of. At least when I scroll through Twitter, it's a lot bigger deal even within Christianity where you land politically. And so if we apply that tradition that started in the Reformation uh, in the Anabaptist movement of of offering a third option, if we apply that same mindset to our current ideological landscape that we find ourselves in uh, i think it'll it'll be just as powerful as it was back then mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you know i i think maybe maybe you guys will disagree with this i don't know but um i think i, I don't even yeah i really don't like the association that it's it's even like a middle option between republican and um, Democrat, even though we can, it's easy to kind of phrase it like that, um, or between the right and the left, whether theologically or politically or whatever, um, because the further away from the gospel that the left and the right get, the the fur, you know, as long as those are the two extremes that you're hanging on to, the further away you're going to go. Even though you're still center, you're still going to move with them. And so, I mean, if if for example, if the whole world shifts left, really liberal, then the center is going to shift left, really liberal. Yeah. If the whole world shifts right, really liberal, the centers. So it's so I mean, to a certain degree, yeah, like the third way or what we, you know, what we believe may end up being looking kind of center or looking kind of like an amalgamation of of both Republicanism and Democrat ideologies. That's not our focus. Like that's not what we're we're not we're not hanging on to one or the other we're hanging on to Jesus and and the things that Jesus said and taught and and the way that we feel like we need to follow Jesus may end up sometimes looking like you're kind of center or it may end up looking like you're you're kind of combining both ideas um but i hope that we're always as christians we're always getting our ideas from Jesus not from the two extremes. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, and I, I like the way you put that. I think that kind of goes along with our podcast cover art. You know, we are we are the arrow. The third arrow is in between yeah. the other two arrows, but it's pointing in a completely different direction. And yeah. I think that's what the way of Jesus offers. It's like, yeah, you guys are sort of center. You're, you, you incorporate different elements of both sides, but you have a totally different focus. And, and I think, you know, nonviolence is, is probably the biggest way that we are different from the left and the right yeah. you know often the left and the right will agree on one thing and that's that we should kill our enemies you know um mm. so I, I would say that you know although we, we might be somewhere in the middle we are definitely headed in a completely different direction yeah i think i think it's good to realize that just like so the anabaptists grew up in the reformation so it was a unique era of history that framed their position um, the baby boomers grew up in a unique era of history that shaped their theology and their way of looking at church and faith. And, and so are we. Like, we're in a unique era of history. And so obviously, our view is going to be somewhat tainted by current events or current trends of, of deconstructing or reevaluating things. But um, one, one of the things that we that I think we all four resonate with, and I think anybody in our generation resonates with, going back to what Titus was talking about earlier, as far as we don't, the church doesn't differentiate as much anymore over Protestantism or um, Catholicism or whatever denomination, but it's more over your political affiliation. And so many of the, I don't, I don't even know what generation it would have been, the baby boomers maybe, but they would have viewed their faith through their political affiliation. And so you have mm-hmm. strong convictions that, like, I've heard a lot of people talk about the Republicans as if that is aligning yourself with the kingdom of God. Um, now, I've also heard that, and this is kind of uh, representative of our generation, I've heard millennials talk about the Democrats that sound like that's lining up with the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And both are completely like they're the, the vision and the, the, the agenda. Excuse me. I'm stumbling over myself. The agenda of the Republicans and of the Democrats is not for the kingdom of God at all. Like their agenda mm-hmm. is for, mm-hmm. for building their own kingdom. And so their, their ultimate goal, they're going to go at it from two different places, but their ultimate goal is going to be to build themselves and to secure themselves Mm -hmm. and we as the third way embracing the way of jesus love and and fully seeking to fully embody that in our life like we may actually lean into things that are harmful to us we may actually pursue things that do not keep us safe or make us safe because we care about ultimately following jesus but in that that many other people can come to know jesus as well. Mm-hmm. And so like our goal, our agenda is not a nation or protecting ourselves. It's well, it is a nation, it's a kingdom, but the kingdom of God. And so mm-hmm. that's that incorporates sacrificial love and, and all those many other things. But um yeah, just to kind of de- deconstruct, like I think the agitating point for us is seeing mm-hmm. people point to a, a a a political party and say that's lining up with the kingdom of God. At the mm-hmm. core, all political parties are sent set against God. Yeah. And and you know, it's it's kind of the idea of like back, you know, 
kind of touching what what you're saying about the two different generations we had in the 70s 80s and 90s we had this this whole push for the moral majority um where christians really tried to bring about the kingdom of god through political power and um and and so you end up marrying um the the kingdom of god or christianity in our methods to bring it about with politics and power and and so then you get this this weird mixture where um in the 80s 70s 80s and 90s you had the the moral majority married to kind of republican power and and nowadays you know with you know as as a reaction to that you have the a kind of a new rising moral majority maybe it's a moral minority on the left side where you know immigration and human rights and um civil rights and and all kinds of of these kind of semi-christian concepts are are being again married to political power just on the democratic side um and and the the thing is is that that I I just think about and I look at our generation and a little bit of the generation before us um as they as they as they strive to bring these things about through politics um bring the kingdom of god through politics just through a different party you know it's not going to end any better than the previous um marriage of of morality and power or of of trying to legislate um morality through politics um well and and that's the yeah. that's the fundamental issue People mm-hmm. have this concept that they can legislate morality through political power, and they forget Scripture is, is very, very clear. We are strangers and pilgrims. Yeah. And we, we're strangers and pilgrims. We're, literally, the word would be the equivalent of alien or, or an immigrant or a, an illegal, almost, in our own country, wherever we, wherever that, and now you have to be yeah. really careful with a statement like that because then people sure. are like, "Oh, well, they're you know, you don't take any civil responsibility. You're those people that just ride the system." That's not yeah. that's not true at all because obviously Jesus was very clear on that as well. Right. But he's making a point, saying that look, guys, the systems of this world are fundamentally human. Which guess what? <laughs> Newsflash: fundamentally human means fundamentally flawed. Because humans yeah. are imperfect. We, I mean, we all know that. Yeah. Yeah. So what's ended up happening is people are like, well, this is the best we've gotten. It's getting so bad that we're just going to go with second best. I think, I mean, I've actually heard people say that. It's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, yeah. Jesus isn't coming back. So let's, let's vote Republican yeah. or let's vote Democrat or whatever. The issue with that is <laughs> you're now trying to, you're basically saying, well, I'll take a little bit of evil because they say a few things that I agree with. And right. that is so completely counter to scripture that yeah. it's it, it absolutely blows my mind that people can just be OK with. I, OK, you can look at either any political party in any nation ever and find things that they did that they stood for that were very anti-God, very evil and very wrong. And you can also, at the same time in history, find a church group that supported them. And then you look mm-hmm. back, and, and now, in retrospect, we look at those people and we're like, what were you thinking? Like, wow, you mm-hmm. idiots, you know, you supported 
whatever, you know, Roman governor or you supported Hitler. I mean, you know, and in retrospect, it's very obvious. And I think our kids will look back at at our generation and be like, seriously, guys, you know, what what were you thinking? It's right there in scripture. Human systems aren't going to fix this world. Um, They have their place. But we as Christians know that's just not going to work. Dean Taylor has a really interesting concept on this in one of his presentations. He says something to the effect that anytime we get involved in politics, we are basically saying our God is too small and we're willing to accept the second best uh, instead of saying that, you know, God actually has this under control um, and his kingdom is the most important. Why would we ever stoop so low as something like politics and worldly power when we have the God of the universe that's 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 on our side? Um, it, we, we, we dream way too small. Yeah. So go ahead, Asher. Did you did you have yeah, something? Well, I was just as he as he was talking, I was thinking like I wonder how much of this is tied into our view of our understanding of salvation, like what's happening mm-hmm. when we become saved, mm-hmm. um, because we it seems like and, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but it seems like even in Anabaptist circles, the the majority view of salvation is kind of this this thing well this legal transaction so now i'm i'm on the i'm on the pad that says i'm in i'm no longer on the out or like i've been my 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 sins that's the religious phrase but you know what i've done wrong so that i can't be in is cleared away and now i'm in and then um and then the like the kingdom of god aspects of it is almost metaphorical or like figure of speech mm-hmm. whereas we're saying jesus jesus is actually raising up a different kingdom a different nation here on mm-hmm. earth he is restoring all of creation and how i i this isn't something we've talked about at all but i would personally be coming to the perspective that i think scripture actually teaches that god wants to restore all of creation like it's not the the words in scripture is not just about humans being saved so that they can go to heaven. Yeah. It's about bringing all of creation back to his design so that it glorifies him. And so there's, I kind of lost where I was going with that, but I, I wonder how, how much that plays into mm-hmm. how quickly we give up on truly dedicating our actual physical lives here mm-hmm. in America on dirt and soil, which is dirt. <laughs> um, Dirt and soil. I've had a lot of late nights lately, and so my, my mind's kind of right. rambling. Um, <laughs> I love how you correct yourself there, which is soil. <laughs> um, yeah, like so that actually affects how we live out, not just like a theoretical intellectual assent yeah. to, yeah, I agree with God, but here on yeah. earth, we actually have to think a different way. It's I, I've yeah. literally heard people say this. It's like, well, we just have to... Yeah, no. Yeah, God's going to come and do his thing. But in the meanwhile, like, we're going to have to stand up for our own selves and fix it ourselves. And I'm like, wow, where is your faith, people? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. really kind of sad. Actually, it's, it's funny, but it's actually kind of sad that we would stoop yeah. that yeah. low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I like to 
kind of put this into like the the storyline of the Bible. That's one thing that the Bible Project and N.T. Wright have really helped me to do is see the entire storyline of the Bible and trace a theme or a motif throughout it. So like what you were saying, Asher, with the, the theme of the kingdom, that starts right in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve were created to rule and reign, to have dominion. And you see when they sin that 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 rule and reign of God through his images was broken. And so God was trying to bring his rule and reign back to earth because it was forced out through sin. And you even see when Israel was wanted to have a king like the nations around them, how that was actually rejecting the, the rule and reign of God. And that created all kinds of problems throughout the history of Israel. And then when, when John the Anabaptist and Jesus walked, walked onto the scene, um, the, the first thing they talked about was the kingdom of God. You know, they announced that the, the rule and reign of God that has been forced out of creation mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. coming back. And, and it's something I pray about all the time. You know, mm-hmm. God, would you wrap the, your rule and reign around this planet again? Yeah. You know, that mm-hmm. it's been forced out of the mm-hmm. earth, the presence of God, the rule and reign of God, the kingdom of God has been mm-hmm. forced out of the earth because of sin. But Jesus is bringing that kingdom back. And I, I think mm-hmm. that ties into why maybe our culture is so fascinated with politics, because our, our culture is really interested in who's running the show, you know, and mm-hmm. how this world is supposed to mm-hmm. be ruled. And I would say that's actually the image of God within them crying out for justice mm-hmm. and for the the correct uh, rule and reign to be over the planet, you know? And, and that's mm-hmm. where we can step in and say, hey, look, the, mm-hmm. this, this desire in you to see justice, this desire in you to, to see the correct person rule is actually a good desire. Jesus talked about it more than any other topic 2,000 years ago, and here's how he said this, this nation should look. And it's, it's a rival nation to the the current nations it's a rival nation to america and every other nation mm-hmm. that operates with any ethic other mm-hmm. than the sermon on the mount and so if you look mm-hmm. at it through the kind of throughout the whole storyline of scripture i think it really helps um kind of fill out some of these concepts mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. yeah that kind of comes back to what you were just touching on there titus about it, it's a it's actually a rival nation which is which is why when jesus came on earth he actually used very politically loaded terms for himself you know he um i mean he was the messiah he he referred to himself as the king as um i'm i'm blanking on on some of the other terms that he used but like i mean he even talked about bringing bringing a sword you know which which doesn't completely jive with what we're saying here but you know in that sense he was talking metaphorically that he's bringing bringing a sword um and and the earthly kings, you know, definitely were threatened by Jesus. Um, and, I, you know, obviously he wasn't, he's not bringing it with a literal sword. He's not coming with a literal army to destroy the nations around, around but he's coming, um, but he's, he's definitely coming as a king nonetheless and as a ruler, um, in, you know, in, in all of earth has been put under his, his feet. Um, yeah, it's so Jesus. Oh, go, no, go, go ahead. Well, finish. Well, I was just going to say Jesus himself set himself up as as like a political figure in, in reality. Um, but yeah. 
but then it's the 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 nuance comes in is like that we're you know we believe we're talking about is that he doesn't do that through he set himself up as a political figure yeah but but he doesn't bring it through the the earthly systems that we have have in place and through through violence and militarism jesus's way is completely other i think is the best way to say it um Yes, he does look like a political figure. He's called a king. I mean, saying that in first century Rome is a really bad idea. And it it makes perfect sense that they would crucify him because that's not a good idea. You might start a rebellion or whatever they thought. The difference is he's also called the Prince of Peace. And I don't Mm -hmm. know of any earthly ruler, president, king, whatever, monarch, that has ever been Mm -hmm. able to rule a country and do it entirely peacefully. Like, without having to kill anybody or you know do some something that wasn't peaceful that's just part of the job and jesus says that's that's his title he's the prince of peace and we really forget that you know a lot of my republican friends are going to look at jesus in revelation you know with the sword and all this stuff and they just forget the whole thing about uh wait a minute he's the prince of peace um yeah i i don't know how all that works in the day-to-day but that's really, really something to yeah, think about. Yeah, his his sword is coming out of his mouth, exactly, which is a pretty strong picture of what that is. Um, his word, yeah, or or it's a really like weird warrior <laughs> who carries yeah. his sword, <laughs> holds his sword in his mouth. It's interesting when he rides onto the scene; he's he's bloody before battle. You know, mm, yeah. and so I, yeah. I would say that blood is not the blood of his enemies. Yeah. That's his own blood. Mm-hmm. And of course, yeah. there is a final yeah. judgment. I don't think we're minimizing that. But a lot of those texts in Revelation can be interpreted in a, in a different yeah. way. Even I mean, he's called and that. Sorry, he's called the lamb, the lamb of God, the lamb that was slain. And then in Revelation also talks about dipping their blood in the uh, the lamb, the blood of the lamb, and so obviously this lamb is being slain, and that's again words that are used for Jesus. It's not he's not coming in conquering. The picture isn't if we're interpreting revelations accurately, which I'm not going to claim I am, but <laughs> people who I trust, uh, who seem to have a little better handle on revelation than I do, would say that the the conquering is being crucified. Yeah, he's being he's laid on the altar. Yeah, and that's how he's conquering. And that, and that like, just just as you guys were talking, um, like like that ex that excites me so much for Jesus, and and it, it gave me like I actually got chills as you were talking. I know this maybe sounds kind of metaphysical, but no, it 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 really is like when Jesus comes, he doesn't come. You know that picture of Jesus riding in. In Revelations, with a sword coming out of his mouth and blood on <clears throat> already on him, that's that's his own blood. That's him laying down his life for his enemies. Um, for um, and and yeah, like like you said, he he conquered by being through his crucifixion um, by being crucified. I forget who was talking, but somebody mentioned something. Maybe it was you, Christopher, but about. Um... Oh, the sword, like Jesus came to be a sword, um, to be a divider. And can we yeah. touch on, so I've had some interaction, I I forget who it was, so I apologize 
if you're listening <laughs> um, online <laughs> about the concept or the terminology of because I use nonviolence a lot and somebody thought I was I I intentionally avoid non-resistant because I think that goes down a track that that is not what yeah. but this person who I think is maybe fairly new to Anabaptist theology um, and or Anabaptist culture maybe and uh, and wonder if that wasn't incomplete they, they thought um, it non-resistant was more complete to what Anabaptist stood for or taught for and mm-hmm. what they were pointing at was the concept that so it was a, a lady that I was dialoguing with that she's not prone to go out and kill somebody or defend herself violently, but that she might inwardly resist and be standing at odds in that. And so to her, it's, it's like she thinks about, I, I'm, I'm not at all quoting her. I'm just trying to remember the conversation. Um, but yeah. Yeah. non-resistance speaks to that part as well. Can we talk about terminology a little yeah. bit and like how even, yeah. even so in that, I think that's a great concept. Like that's a, a lesson of learning. I, I don't know what it is like in a, in, a, in a way that's rebellion, maybe rising up. But there's also a level of resistance that we do do as Christians. And so where does that come into yeah. play and how do we parse yeah. that out? That, yeah. yeah, the term non-resistance needs to, I, I understand where it came from, and it's an important part of our history, but it needs to die, because mm-hmm. yeah. non-resistance <laughs> is an entire... need to kill yeah. it. <laughs> it just Violently. needs to go away. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you really... Didn't you just do an episode where uh, yeah. someone corrected yeah. you on that? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I was just listening to yeah, it. Which I episode that. was that? I've done so many. Uh, I think Stephen Russell. Russell. What did he? Yeah. He was saying that he's not nonviolent, that he's non-resistant, and you agreed with him. So. Yes, <laughs> yes, I did because nonviolence, I think, is even a worse term. If mm. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm being okay. totally okay. open and blunt here, so yeah. I, hope I don't offend yeah. anybody. I'm open that's, to that's other terms. Want. I just, I had really okay. Yeah. So, so here's the issue. So, when you look at the teachings of Jesus, Matthew five, six, seven, Sermon on the Mount, primarily, but other things too. Non-resistance is an entire package. And we have taken that phrase and said, oh, I'm non-resistant. Therefore, someone breaks into my home and I will sit in the corner and pray. And, you know, or, you know, I won't I won't go to war. Mm. And and it's all about I won't, I won't, I won't do this. It's all about what yeah. you won't do. That is entirely yeah. not what Jesus is talking about. Obviously, that's yeah. there, too. He's saying don't kill, clearly. But he's also saying a lot of other things. Don't hate. Well, that goes, that's well outside of the realm of nonviolence. So, like, we can be very nonviolent, but we can still hate people. And, and so when we say nonviolence, yeah. we're missing part of the package. When we say non-resistance, we're missing a whole bunch. Because then we're just saying, well, we just won't resist anything, mm-hmm. you know. And I'll just be all passive and quiet and submissive. And Jesus is, if you look at a profile of Jesus, the last words you could use to describe him is passive, sit in a corner, just kind of let it happen. That is not the Jesus we see in scripture. Mm. So what I advocate for, and I haven't found a very good term to replace it, but something along the lines of radical love. Mm. Because what non-resistance, that package, is a preemptive thing. It's a action. It's saying, I won't resist violently, but I absolutely will resist 
in a way that's lines with what Jesus says. So that means like say mm-hmm. prayer mm-hmm. is is huge, is a big part of the package. Um, what I'm involved with in the Middle East is a perfect example. It's called what I would say is it's almost more of an ideal resistance. So you have mm. cases of terrorism over there, and instead of going and shooting those guys, that's the one option. Or the other option is just sit at home and and say, oh, that's too bad. We go there and what I call in front of the guns or before the guns start shooting and fix it, and mm. and be be a solution. That's mm. what Jesus is advocating: an actual, true, mm. radical love. Mm for your enemies and it's not a passive thing it's a very aggressive almost where where you're right there you're right in the thick of things and in my mind the concept of non-resistance and what jesus laid out is an even greater motivator to go to the hardest places in the world than say military um the military's motives are are very lame honestly compared to the call of jesus jesus's call should be so much more powerful to go to a place like wherever you know think of any horrible place in the world and actually be the solution instead of yeah. just saying oh well we won't fight so we'll just stay at home yeah. and do nothing yeah yeah did, did that make any sense at all i'm still trying to untangle that yeah. whole mess in my mind yeah um, but i really would love to see us use no uh, i, I can't yeah. think of a better term you know? yeah i i agree i like radical love better i i think nonviolence kind of evolved out of a a largely protestant worldview that would have been politically involved and so they're they're thinking in terms of political involvement we're not going to do it violently i don't know that's totally guessing on my part and because i didn't like non-resistance it was kind of easy to adapt that but i like yeah. because yep. even yep. living here in the city yeah. i don't get in politics just because i'm passive what did i just say I don't get involved in politics just because I'm yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But rather because like I, and I don't know, a lot of people could maybe look as if they're doing this or not be involved in politics and it's not as intentional. But w- when you think about how long it's going to take to influence local city council and local laws so that we could actually help our neighbors here in this very apartment complex who have low incomes or who can't get um, certain, uh, whether it's medical, actually we're in LA, so medical and all that is pretty free. But um, like the, the help uh, legal, if they're illegal immigrants, we've got a lot of illegal immigrants to, to help them do it legally. Um, to uh, abortion, we have women in our street, people I know and relate with on a weekly basis, for sure, if not a daily basis, who are who would be at risk for abortions because they're single mothers. They, they don't ha- make enough money there. And, and often we think in terms of these issues as being big political issues. So it's just, oh, it's horrible to kill babies. But the reason they're killing babies is because there's no better they can't take care of them. It's going to be a hell on earth if they're, yeah. if they let them be born. And so as a, as a nonviolent or radical loving person to try to follow Jesus, I'm not, I'm not just not voting because I don't, I'm not, I don't get involved in politics. I'm not voting because I don't have the time to figure out who is actually going to follow through and who actually has a character that matters. And plus, it's going to take like three or four years till that trickles down through the bureaucracy of the political involvement and actually affect change for my neighbor. And by that time, I may actually be out of their lives. 
what if I just walk across the hall and start getting involved in their life mm-hmm. and I'm spending my time instead of researching yeah. who's the best politician, I'm actually influence, helping yeah. them find how to do things legally, how to become a legal citizen, walking through the mess. That's a horrible, horrible. It's a, the, the way, the process for a, a Mexican person to become a legal resident of America is horribly flawed. And I don't know that anybody denies that, but it's just a mess. It's so much easier to criticize and talk about how we should be doing immigration than to actually get involved and try to help them raise the funds and then spend the money. And then a lawyer doesn't show up and you don't get a refund on that money. And like, it's just, I could go on and on, but that's, it's perfect. That's so, that is so what Jesus is getting at. The way that Jesus prescribes is way harder than just going and casting mm-hmm. a vote and being like i'm done it, yeah. it, you it yeah. actually requires yeah. you to get your hands dirty and that's mm-hmm. what jesus showed us to do he's like he didn't go and start marching on rome and trying to change what C- caesar augustus <laughs> was up to no he's like i'm going to actually go to the poverty stricken areas and actually be the change at which is a quote we hear all the time but that's actually what mm-hmm. Jesus is laying out for us to do. The problem is it's way harder to do. It requires you to get your hands dirty. It's messy. And nobody, honestly, we're lazy. People don't want to do it that way. Mm-hmm. And and when I see someone who's really, truly living out the, you know, here we go again, the non-resistant quote or the radical love mm-hmm. lifestyle, I have way mm-hmm. more respect for that person than the, than the conspiracy theorist, you know, right-wing Republican who's trying to vote the bad guys out of office or, you know, or the mm-hmm. other way, the left, the left side. Yeah. that's actual christianity and and if if the entire yeah. church would actually grasp that and do that the change that would sweep through our, our social structure and i mean you talk about reform at every level it would be incredible but mm-hmm. nobody wants to because mm-hmm. jesus's way is not easy mm-hmm. and he never mm-hmm. said it was yeah mm-hmm. and it requires a yeah good ahead of time counting the cost which is something he told mm-hmm. us to do yeah 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 good stuff it it and and that kind of kind of with the whole non-resistant thing um just address the term um pacifism is kind of even even less ideal um because i mean it has right in the word its association with being passive (laughs) and that's not at all what we're what we're about Um, is that actually the root of the word passive i mean i where's google (laughs) i'm googling it right now um but but it is important to note that the ideology behind pacifism versus what jesus spelled out is fundamentally different Mm -hmm. i'm not saying pacifists are all wrong and it's terrible and don't be one i'm not necessarily saying that but jesus what jesus lined up is is good is much more in depth his is actually a complete ethic um yeah of how of how we actually walk day to day so Pa- so I, pacifism. I pulled it up here, and it's not it's not passive. It's it's the oh, Latin yeah. word pax or pox, which I think they would talk about the pox romana. You know, the peace sure, of Rome. Yeah. Peace, so it's, it yeah. more has to do with peace than being passive. Because yeah. I've heard people yeah. talk about the word in, in yeah. that sense too, and I for some yeah. reason it didn't sound right. But yeah. no, that that's that's a good observation. I th- I think it for some reason it still has. Maybe just because it sounds like passive, but um, it still just has this connotation with with being being passive. Uh, there, there's a perfect um, example that I'll give. Um, so in Iraq, um, 
25 miles away from from where we live and where I, where I've worked quite a number of times there's Mosul is right out there we could I mean you could you could hear the gunfire we could see the smoke from from the war where they were trying to dislodge ISIS now there's a documentary about a team of EMTs that volunteered to go in there because there wasn't enough medical supplies so like literally they're risking their lives every day sniper fire it, it, it's bad um, they lose a lot of guys and a journalist, it's, it's, the irony is hilarious, but it's sad. It's tragic. A pacifist journalist comes up to these guys, and it's, he's just there. He's not helping. He's not doing anything. He's a pacifist. And he's like, hey, what's, you know, what's wrong with you guys? You're, you're in, you know, he's kind of giving him a hash about you're, you're working with the military. You're, you know, you're doing all this stuff. You should, like, this whole thing's evil, and, and what are you doing? You know, you're wearing body armor. <laughs> it was it was so sad because these guys were actually saving lives like they saved hundreds and hundreds of lives civilian lives and here this this pacifist is coming in and giving them hash and i and i thought about that and neither side were, were christian by any means at all but i looked at that and i i thought you know those EM, emts that were right there dodging the bullets saving lives were were the ones who were actually being jesus to those people i know mm. they weren't christians yeah. but they were actually they were actually yeah. living out the principles of what jesus said and this pacifist who's just like oh well all war is terrible and we shouldn't even be here what what kind of testimony is that but it's really mm. sad because a lot of the christians they interact with would sound way more like that journalist than those emts mm -hmm. who were actually out there saving lives and th and that's really tragic mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the the question is more um, what rather than talking about terms because we all have associations in our minds with certain terms that may or may not be accurate. But like what what actual ideas are true and what ideas are false? And I, I like what you're saying there, Reagan, because you're saying that you know the the idea that we should do nothing is wrong. We need to be out there actively loving people and putting ourselves at risk. Um, but I, I, you, you also mentioned something about um, sort of criticizing this pacifist for critiquing their warfare. And I, I wonder, it, in your mind, uh, do you not see the violence that they were enacting as sinful? Um, and, and that would kind of bring us to the whole question of how we view the government um, but, but do you see that, do you see that violence as, as a sin or do you simply see it as maybe a, a good thing, but Christians just should not be involved in it? Well, okay. So non-resistance applies to believers first off, and we can get really deep in the weeds here of what the government's role is and in, in things. And I don't think we should even try to tackle that one. Uh, but I do see violence is wrong. Um, it killing somebody is just wrong i mean the 10 commandments you shouldn't murder the the issue mm -hmm. was these guys weren't shooting anybody they weren't involved in killing anybody they were involved in saving lives and okay. and that's uh, yeah you can walk up to a situation like that and and criticize that oh this whole system is flawed this war shouldn't even be happening at all but don't do that and get in the way of the guys who are actually saving people um i see and, and yeah like uh, and again they weren't christians like they did use self-defense sometimes i i you know whatever um that's a whole you know that's a whole nother thing but i i would say violence or like killing people is i i do believe that that's wrong um always um and that's and that's why christians mm -hmm. aren't supposed to be involved in that 
I don't know if I answered your yeah. question very well there. Yeah, that's good, Reg, and and, and kind of using that to pivot the conversation because uh, you know you mentioned two things. You, you you said that you believe that killing is always wrong. However, you also said that non-resistance is for believers, and I don't know if you meant for believers alone. Um, but but that kind of is getting me thinking, and, and this is for all of you guys. How do you guys view? The government, you know, do you do you believe that the government is legitimate in its use of violence, or do you believe that as followers of Jesus, we prophetically call even the government to lay down their arms and follow Jesus? Yeah, that's something I've often thought about too, um, especially after our dialogue on Facebook about Christian anarchism. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Um, yeah. But because I yeah, so I would have grown up hearing the concept a lot that you know, we as Christians are not to be involved in politics, we're not to to be involved in military, but the government is different. It's it's supposed to govern. I I I can't even remember all the different arguments that all that always didn't quite make sense to me. I didn't always quite understand it. But I, like I've, after our talk about Christian anarchism, I've been thinking about this a little bit. And there is, like, there is a structure, like, as, as you follow the narrative of scripture, the story of scripture, God sets up this kingdom and then there's rebellion in the kingdom. But there is, you know, even the whole thing of Jesus or, or, um, Israel getting a king, there are prophecies of a king coming before, before Israel ever had a king. So there is this picture that somehow, even though in the immediate text of First Samuel, it looks like it was not God's design for Israel to have a king, um, there were pre-written writings that talked about Jesus being king. And so there's this concept of government structure, political nation, that God seems to have had in his design. And how that, so all that to say that I think there is, I'm, I'm just kind of rambling out loud because as I, as I'm talking, I'm coming to a different conclusion than what I started out with. Um, <laughs> that's fantastic. The, the, uh, what I was going to say was that I think there's a place for, for a secular government. <laughs> like there's this fallen government, but that what I just got done saying would actually give, credence to the fact that all even government should be should be called to i definitely agree think that everyone should be called to christ like you don't just give political leaders a pass because you're a political leader you got to do what you got to do i i think the biggest question i had with the christian anarchism though was that it felt borderline expecting unbelievers to do things that without a framework and a faith built upon christ there's no legit there's no legitimate reason for doing it. Does that make sense? Like we can So yeah, I'm done rambling. Well, can, can I jump in here because yeah. when you say anarchism, all my republican flags go up. Like Yeah, so I didn't know you had republican flags. So did mine when he first used that I also term. have democrat flags, but <laughs> I'm I'm just yeah. thinking for for our yeah. audience who like they hear anarchism and they hear they hear like chaos and 
rebellion. And, That's exactly what and I thought when he first well, brought I it think, on. I think that, well, it is kind of a fun term to use because of you get that reaction. But <laughs> at its most basic term, or as most basic sense, it, I think the Christian anarchism would be basically abolishing human archism. You know, anarchism is basically we're against archy, which is hierarchy, you know. Um, so we, we don't believe that humans should rule each other. Uh, rather, we believe that God is the only king, you know, no king but Christ. So it's the idea that only God has the right to rule over human beings and these organizations that humans have established to under the threat of violence coerce morality are fundamentally flawed because morality can only uh, happen voluntarily um, and that's how the kingdom of god works is through voluntary morality so any organization that uh, coerces morality through the threat of violence is fundamentally flawed and and yeah we a non-believer cannot fulfill the teachings of Jesus without repentance and, and God's spirit. Uh, but I think we can call out sin anywhere we see it. And, and if, if violence is sin, it, it just kind of takes the teeth out of a critique of violence to say that the government is doing a good thing. Mm. You know, it, it seems like it's an ethical contradiction to say that there's, there's an organization that is doing what God wants it to do, and yet a Christian should not be part of it. Like, why? if it's a good organization doing good things, then why should a Christian not be part of it? And, of course, that brings us to Romans 13, and, and we can go there, um, But uh, you, unless you guys have more thoughts on what I just said. Yeah, Romans 13 is a pretty pretty key thing. I think we should hit it at some point. might be a little bit too much for this episode. Sure. Um, but it does seem pretty clear that God uses governments and he sets them up. I mean, it, it, it's pretty strong in, in when he's talking about Babylon and Assyria, you know, in, in the prophets yeah. like Jeremiah and Isaiah. I, I mean, I don't, there's, I don't see a way around that. Now, nobody is going to argue yeah. that Babylon and Assyria were good guys. I mean, it was like the worst of the worst, you know, but it does seem pretty clear that God uses those things. Um, I think it's, it's yeah. probably, obviously it's not God's ideal that Jesus ethic is what God wants, um, clearly, but at the same time, um, it does seem there is a place for that. And as a result, you know, these secular institutions, they're going to use violence and they're going to punish evildoers and all of that, that we see in Romans 13, it gets super complicated. I'm not really sure how to untangle it. Um, yeah. But I, I wouldn't agree with the, obviously, the, the Christian anarchist movement, and I think, I think is missing some pretty key passages in Scripture. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how, I don't know how a classic Christian anarchist would view Romans 13, especially. Um, but I, I, talking about, you know, Syria and Babylon, I, I did, I do have some verses here from Isaiah 10, verse 5, says, Woe to the Assyrian the rod of my anger in whose hand is the club of my wrath. So God is calling Assyria the rod of his anger. And then in verse 12, though, it says, when the Lord has finished all his work against Mount Zion and Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the king of Assyria for the willful pride of his heart and the haughty look in his eyes. So God is using Assyria as his rod to punish Zion, to punish Jerusalem. But then after he's done using Assyria, he turns around and punishes Assyria. And so 
the way I look at it, you cannot punish someone for a good thing that they've done. That's that's not just. So what Assyria was doing was sinful, and that's why God punished Assyria. But God sovereignly uses even the sinfulness of mankind to accomplish his purposes. So a classic example, that would be Jesus dying on the cross. You know, God, the Bible says that if, if Satan and, and the evil forces would have known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory, right? If they would have known that he was going to resurrect. So God sovereignly used the wicked plans of Satan to crucify Jesus for his purposes, uh, he did it in the Old Testament with these pagan nations punishing Israel. And I, that's kind of the lens through which I view Romans 13 is, yes, God is raising up the United States of America in a sense. Um, and, and, and the way I see him doing that is sovereignly using their rebellion for his purposes. Sometimes, not always, you know, and I, I don't think that a lot of what America does is even God sovereignly using them. Some of it's just straight out bad. But the times when it's actually redeemable are the times when God is sovereignly using it for his purposes to punish evil. Hmm. Well, segue. This insert segue. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, um this is this is all really good stuff. Um it's probably I mean it's it's a lot. we we're covering a lot, kind of getting an airplane view of the third way. Um, I would love to talk more about Romans 13 and um, Christian approach to government and just politics and culture and, and, and all that stuff, kind of continuing on with some of this, but maybe more specifically diving into the, the whole Romans 13 and, and Christian anarchism and, and whatnot. Um, if we want to just pick up this conversation in the next episode, um, I think that's what we're going to do. Um you guys have any final thoughts that you want to you want to throw in here for this last i mean for this first episode not not the last episode for sure not yeah i i mean i'd love to hear um any audience if they have thoughts and response back i would love to hear their thoughts yeah if, if you guys have any questions or any thoughts if you have any any challenges or corrections that you guys want to make for us here on the podcast feel free to contact us on twitter um, it's at Third Way Podcast or on Instagram at Third Way Podcast. Or if you want to email us and and um, any questions or any thoughts or um, a topic that you would like to see us address, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at thirdwaypodcast at gmail.com. I also want to give a special thanks to The Brilliance for allowing us to use their song Brother as the theme song here on the podcast. This has been the inaugural episode of the Third Way Podcast. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and for listening to our conversations. We have enjoyed it, and we'll see you next episode. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother.